This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com. You are listening to episode 13 of the Prospect Podcast. Took a week off last week. It was the day before Thanksgiving. I had family stuff going on. I'm sure you did, too. Figured a lot of people weren't going to listen on Thanksgiving Day with all the family events, all the eating, and the three football games. So took a week off, but I'm back at it, and I'm going with a different structure this week. Not going with the usual structure, all the four segments that I normally do. Just going to talk about first and second year quarterbacks. I'm going to run through these somewhat quickly, but I just want to give you an idea of how all these first and second year quarterbacks have played. It's an article, or I've, I've done this article, first and second year quarterback evaluations every week at CBSSports.com. Watched all 16 first and second year quarterbacks who have played this season to date. I'm going to start with Lamar Jackson. He's my highest graded first or second year quarterback, B plus, his number grade 86.8, which I can see and and I've certainly gotten a lot of questions, how is he so low? Why is he not an A? Why is he not an A plus? He hasn't been absolutely perfect. And I think if you looked around the rest of the league, even someone like Russell Wilson who too is having a MVP type season would not be at an A or an A plus. Either So anything close to an A, I think, is very good. And I've seen, I've realized, watching all these quarterbacks collectively, and it's probably not just the case with first and second year quarterbacks who are relatively inexperienced, but there's missed passes, there's errant throws, there's dropped interceptions almost every game. These quarterbacks are not absolutely perfect. Is Lamar Jackson playing as well as any other quarterback in the NFL this year? I think so. Um, but just to give a little more background on his grade, I think the Ravens offense is perfectly suited for him. Everyone kind of realizes that now with Greg Roman and his history with Colin Kaepernick and Tyrod Taylor, the offensive line is good. The threat from the other running backs, Mark Ingram and and Gus Edwards, I think helps the Ravens run game. And certainly what Lamar Jackson has done as a runner has factored into his grade. There's been some ridiculous jukes, acceleration around the corner that really no other quarterback has. Um, and as a passer, he's been good to borderline great at times. There's a lot of short throws into the flat to a tight end, shallow cross to wide open wide receivers, Marquise Brown, Willie Sneed from the slot. And there have been a handful each game, um, I guess maybe saying a handful each game would be 
a little bit too strong. But there have been good throws down the seam into the end zone to Mark Andrews, to Marquise Brown, even to Miles Boykin. He's I don't think Lamar Jackson has been great down the football field. There's been a lot of overthrows, especially earlier in the year, but he's taken care of the football very well after September. He had that three interception game against the Steelers earlier in the year, but really since then has not put the ball into harm's way. You add in that he's just running the offense efficiently. He's getting the ball, you know, a lot of short passes, a lot of schemed open wide receivers, but he's getting the ball to them accurately, mostly in stride and his ability and and how dynamic he is as a runner has really fueled this Ravens offense to become the most efficient in the NFL. So Lamar Jackson, number one, 86.8. Number two is Josh Allen. Um, And he's taken an even bigger step um, than Lamar Jackson, because I thought he was so raw as a prospect at Wyoming. His pocket presence was pretty bad, was the main reason why I had him graded as a second round pick in the sixth quarterback in the 2018 class. I thought how inaccurate he was got overblown during the pre-draft process that from clean pockets, he threw a lot of lasers across the field. It was just any sign of pressure or when he had to get to a second read, he really was lost. And for the first half of his rookie year, that's where he was as well. He showed some signs down the stretch and he's really taken a gigantic step forward, maybe even multiple steps forward this season in the second year in Brian Dable's uh in Brian Dable's offense. He's at a B minus right now, 83.3. And again, it's not saying that there are five quarterbacks who are at 99 and these quarterbacks are lagging drastically behind them. At the intermediate level, Josh Allen has been fantastic. And not every completion to me when you're grading is created equal. Uh, a 15 yard dig route if it's in stride and it's an accurate pass, um, it can kind of move up and down the scale of where it's graded. That if it's from a c- completely clean pocket, if it's clearly on the first read for a quarterback, that's not going to get graded as high as if it's clearly on the second or third read and there's a free rusher coming in his face or um, you know in his face when he throws the football or he needs to slide away from pressure to his left. And Josh Allen has done a lot of those type of throws. And not only has the accuracy been there at the intermediate level and at the short portion of the field as well, which no one really saw coming, but he's done it patiently from inside the pocket. There has been chaos around him. It hasn't phased him for the most part. He's shown that he can drift away from pressure, step up into the pocket. Lamar Jackson's done that well, too, he's more of a natural pocket mover than Josh Allen was. Um, really saw that at Louisville in that last season, um, that he understood that he would just need to climb the pocket after his drop back. Josh Allen wasn't as good in that area. That's certainly not factored into the grade because once you're in the NFL, you have to just be good. You can't say, oh, well, I'm I'm improving from how bad I was before, so I should, you know, s- still be the quarterback. I just think in general, what I've seen from Josh Allen has been high level stuff at the intermediate level. Starting to hit some more plays down the field, but it hasn't been great in terms of his accuracy. He's overthrown a lot of footballs, similar to Lamar Jackson, and he's done it more than Lamar Jackson. Missed downfield throws haven't been a ton of guys open but there's been three or four or five instances where there have been a John Brown or an Isaiah McKenzie open down the field and that the ball placement just hasn't been there and he too of course is a good runner he's 
certainly not as elusive as Lamar Jackson. No one is in the NFL, um, but he's very powerful. He can stiff arm linebackers at the second level, picks up uh, a lot of third downs, can run through some defenders. Um, and I think he's done a good job in the last month or so, maybe two months almost, where he's not instantly running when his first read isn't there. Like I said, he's getting to his second and third reads relatively often. It's when it's third and six, he looks right, looks left, no one's there, sees a hole, gets seven yards. So Josh Allen, my second highest graded quarterback, 83.3 B-. minus. Um, I'm going to quickly talk about the next quarterbacks that are both rookies on my list. They don't really qualify yet for the season grade because they've only played one game. But Drew Locke and David Blau um, both got B- minuses for their performances in Week 13. I thought Blau dropped a handful of dimes on that Chicago Bears defense on Thanksgiving Still one of the better defenses in the NFC. Um, There was the deep ball to Kenny Galladay to start the game, who was wide open, but he had to wait inside the pocket, didn't get too antsy, dropped it right in stride, didn't overthrow. There wasn't too much adrenaline. And throughout that game, over the middle um, to Kenny Galladay, to Marvin Jones, there were accurate passes where he had to slide into the pocket. There was chaos around him, didn't drop his head, didn't try to run. And then late in that game, there was on that final drive that ultimately ended in an interception on 4th and 22, there was a great pass to um, Marvin Jones on a comeback route um, between the hash and the numbers that was dropped. And then Danny Amendola dropped a deep corner route that would have brought the Lions within the 10-yard line or inside the 10-yard line. That was a great pass from David Blau, great touch, great timing. I thought he did a great job. There was, you know, a few interceptable passes beyond just kind of the the heave at the end of the game that kind of pushed his grade down a little bit. But I thought that was a really impressive start for David Blau. We don't know how much longer he's going to play. I I think he could play with Matthew Stafford still injured and Jeff Driscoll as well. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if he can build on that. Drew Locke, same thing. His first quarter um, over the weekend on Sunday I thought was very good. Uh, his first pass was behind his tight end on, on kind of a back shoulder throw. But the touchdown to Cortland Sutton with literally a free rusher, no one picked up the splitting linebacker or defensive back. I don't remember specifically what position that player was. But in his face, dropped it right over the corner uh, to the side of the safety for a touchdown to Cortland Sutton. There was a few other good passes at the intermediate level, really showed his arm strength, that he can be completely off balance, can be leaning backwards, and can just flick that ball, and it comes out like a cannon. Later in the game, they didn't really give him a lot. He ran the foot, or they, the Broncos ran the football a great deal against the Chargers. There was a lot of short throws, but I gave him a B minus two. I thought it was a game that beyond the interception in the fourth quarter where he didn't see an underneath defender, Drew Locke was very impressive in his NFL debut. All right, after those two, a quarterback that does qualify for the season grade, Gardner Minshew. So he would technically be my third highest graded first or second year quarterback. He's at a C plus, but 79. So he's close to a B minus. He was there for a while. Um, He played over the weekend, filled in for Nick Foles in that second half um, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when things were really out of hand. It wasn't the same type of Gardner Minshew game that I saw earlier in the year where he was really getting the ball out quickly. Um, First and second, third reads at the short intermediate level. Um, There were a few good throws, um, but not as many wow throws at the intermediate level. And as 
improvising. Um, I didn't think his overall his game was rusty, but I think that portion of his game either was rusty or teams kind of know that he's going to do crazy stuff inside the pocket and just keep him contained. Took a couple sacks. Um, so I thought Gardner Minshew was good, not as good as he'd been, but overall, you have to, you know, I'm grading the entire season. He's at 79, my third highest graded quarterback heading into week 14. Right behind him is Kyler Murray. He's at a 77.9, so another C plus. Coming off his worst game um, in the NFL against the LA Rams, a defense that certainly has the stars on it, but had been pretty susceptible um, to the run and the pass at different portions of this season. Just really couldn't get anything going. The offense is perfect for him, obviously, coming from the air raid system, and, and he's with Cliff Kingsbury now. So many bubble screens, tunnel screens, quick passes into the flat. There were not those high-level throws at the intermediate level or down the field from Kyler Murray. His lowest grade of the season, I gave him a D. Um, there were you know, a few at where he had to wait, get to his second read, um, but did throw to open wide receiver, so I wasn't going to give him an F. To get an F, you basically have to not complete um, anything, any type of pass of substance in a game. And, and there were a few of those, but there were so, so many frantic scrambles inside the pocket, and he was running into pressure when he didn't need to, leaving clean pockets. Um, did have a pretty good scramble late in the game, um, but in general... I thought Kyler Murray did not have his or had his worst game as a pro, but he's still 77.9 for someone who started one year in college um, is in the right system, of course. But I, I think that's for the Cardinals organization. They should be happy with how Kyler Murray has played this roster. No one really expected to be that uh, competitive this year based on what they had on the offensive and defensive side of the balls. They haven't really gotten a lot of production out of the receiver group. Larry Fitzgerald leads basically every receiving category at this point I think with Hakeem Butler coming back next year and, and probably more reinforcements at receiver and certainly up front on the offensive line Kyler Murray will be set up to take the next step all right after him I have Kyle Allen he's still hanging on to a C plus grade 76.75 so it's a pretty decent size step down from Kyler Murray he's been so up and down that there have been games where I say to myself, wow, Kyle Allen, you can see why he was such a big recruit. He has the size, the arm strength. He can make throws under pressure deep down the field. He's not afraid to make those throws through tight windows. Um, not one of his better games, especially in the second half against the Redskins. But again, there were still four or five impressive throws. He's really good on that deep corner route um, can really fit it over an underneath defender and before the safety gets there because he does have that arm strength but you can kind of tell that he wasn't super experienced in college and part of the reason why he went undrafted he's not great under pressure there's some times that again he can place the ball perfectly as he's being hit but so many other times feels pressure gets really antsy doesn't automatically turn into a runner, but just does not drift naturally inside the pocket. I think, I will say this, I think that if the Panthers do move on from Cam Newton this offseason, um, I certainly think that they should, at the preliminary stages, plan on Kyle Allen being the week one starter. I think he's been good enough, obviously, considering his grade. Um, I think he's been good enough 
to earn that distinction, at least early in the offseason. But I don't think he's been good enough that it should really preclude the Carolina Panthers from drafting a quarterback, maybe in the first or the second round. Um, so Kyle Allen, I don't think they should, you know, because he kind of had that bad miss at the end of the game against the Redskins where he had the open receiver that could have tied that or brought the uh, Panthers within two points at the end of that game and just decided to not pull the trigger, took a bad sack um, as he retreated. I, I don't think just because of that it's, oh, look, he's bad, he's a terrible quarterback. I don't. I really think for being basically a, a first-time starter, he played a little bit last year, um, but I think Kyle Allen has done enough to say, hey, he deserves to be on this roster with a legitimate shot in a quarterback competition to play and be the starter in week one, especially, you know, that should be the start in January, February for the Panthers, that that's what they should be planning on. But even if they do draft a quarterback, Kyle Allen should still be, you know, a legit consideration um, to be the week one starter in Carolina in 2020. After Kyle Allen, we're still in the B-plus range. Baker Mayfield. Uh, he's kind of had a lot of what I'm kind of calling classic Baker Mayfield games in 2019. And, and that's, they've mostly led to a C plus grade. And I thought, um, over the weekend against the Steelers, it was a classic Baker Mayfield game that you would see five or six just outstanding throws where the ball jumps off his hands. It's in a tight window. It's near the sideline. Uh, it needs that perfect ball placement and it does, but then there's five or six, just where was he throwing the football? Why was that ball airmailed five yards or five feet over Odell Beckham's head? Um, why is he not as calm inside the pocket as he was at Oklahoma? I think he's kind of dealing with, you know, what I used to call or what I still call young quarterback shell shock, where with a bad offensive line, I think young quarterbacks, more so than veterans, are thinking when they're standing there in the shotgun, they're thinking, oh man, I'm going to have to deal with pressure on this play. And that's the first thing they're thinking about instead of where do I need to go with the football? Where's coverage dictating that I need to get to my second read um, on this play or whatever. So I think Baker Mayfield, his game against the Steelers, if you go back and watch it, that's what I've seen in general from him this season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he plays down the stretch with the Browns already at seven losses, but they could win a few games in a row here. But Baker Mayfield um, certainly taking a step back from where he was as a rookie. Did feast on some pretty bad defenses down the stretch last year, but throwing 27 touchdowns, there was timing, there was a lot of accuracy, a lot of aggressiveness. The aggressiveness has still been there, and there's been glimpses of the accuracy, but there's also been bad pocket presence and just wayward throws that you really weren't accustomed to seeing at Oklahoma and certainly last year as a rookie down the stretch. After him, he's not a starter anymore. Mason Rudolph is at 75.5 for me. And I know that the prime time game against the Browns, the Miles Garrett game um, with the four interceptions, that will stand out and will say, how in the heck does he have a 75.5 as a C grade? Because for me, you have to be above, um, it, or you have to be, at least to 76 to be a C plus or actually I don't know where I have him letter grade but that's his number grade right now 75.5 there were games earlier in the year a lot of good passes accurate bucket throws down the field I thought even in that Browns game uh, there was three or four throws 
Johnny Holton dropped two passes down the field that were that literally hit him in the hands. That and there were some defensive pass interference calls on some good throws. Has been a little bit too stoic in the pocket. I thought that at Oklahoma State, that was an area that he was very good at. That was sinking his feet with his eyes as they moved across the field. Has made some second read throws from where he would literally start at the left sideline and make a throw on time accurately to the right sideline. Um, but just too many mistakes. Pocket presence not very good um, in general. And the lack of arm strength that was really his clear biggest weakness as a prospect has popped up relatively often this season. Um, and now Devlin Hodges is the starter for the foreseeable future for the Steelers. Um which I'll talk about him in a second. Right after Mason Rudolph, I have Daniel Jones, and they're very close in grade. 75.5 for Daniel Jones. Just puts the ball in harm's way too often. And you saw that against the Packers. Um, I didn't think it was a terrible game for him. There was a really good throw down the seam for like 43 yards to Cody Latimer in that game. Um, his touchdown to Sterling Shepard wasn't a perfect pass, but it had enough arc to get over the cornerback for the score. But the three turnovers the the three interceptions that Daniel Jones had against the Packers were from completely clean pockets no pressure whatsoever yes it was snowing um it was facing a pretty good defense that for the most part of the year has been solid in the secondary but has had times of being kind of susceptible being vulnerable to the pass really knocked his grade down last week and that's kind of been the book on Daniel Jones this year that there have been flashes almost every game that he's been more aggressive than I thought he was going to be been better down the field than I thought he was going to be but against pressure um, and just being too turnover prone throwing the football just directly to defensive backs and linebackers too often and fumbling the football not moving away from pressure that's why his in general why his grade is at 75.5 right now after him Sam Darnold um, and after a B grade and an A minus grade the last two weeks. And we've kind of seen that arrow pointing up the two weeks before that, C minus and then C plus. So he was really trending in the right direction for the Jets. He drops a D plus against the Cincinnati Bengals. Sam Darnold is at a solid C or, or at a legit C right now, 75. Um, against the Bengals, one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. Yes, it was on the road. Yes, it was probably a little bit colder in Cincinnati, but it wasn't raining. It wasn't snowing. We saw that around the NFL in a few games over the weekend. Just couldn't get it going. And that offense, and I said it at the beginning of this with Lamar Jackson, a lot of his throws are just schemed wide open, shallow crosses and throws into the flat and swing passes to running backs. That's Adam Gase's offense. That's it's so hard to watch Sam Darnold play in this offense because he does have that arm talent where he can make throws from weird platforms and when his feet aren't set and it's just swing pass, shallow cross, swing pass, screen, throw into the flat to the tight end. Um, but I did think against the Bengals on those awkward platform, you know, no foundation, no balance type of throws, Lamar or Sam Darnold did not really impress. Um, there weren't a ton of throws that should have been picked. There were a few, but there were not. But those were not counteracted by the wow. Like how did he fit that pass in there? Throws that he had kind of made the last couple weeks against lesser defenses. But you still like to see it, um, you know, from a young quarterback against any defense. And he regressed 
against the Cincinnati Bengals in Week 13. After Sam Darnold, I have Devlin Hodges. He has been the epitome of a quarterback that's not going to make mistakes but isn't really going to light you up uh, or light up any defense when it comes to you know a handful of impressive throws. I will say against this, uh, Cleveland Browns, three really good throws in that game from him, and if you're going to get that with this Steelers defense, I think Pittsburgh will be happy with that, and I think that's why they went to him over Mason Rudolph because Mason Rudolph was delivering those bucket throws down the field and was certainly fine with checking the football down, but he was turning the football over, and Devlin Hodges um, hasn't really done that. I think when he started earlier in the season against the uh, L.A. Chargers in that primetime game, it was the same deal, that there was like one good throw down the field, a lot of, I mean, that Steelers offense, we've seen it this season, has been super gadgety, a lot of pop passes on jet sweeps, um, using the running backs out of the backfield, dumping the football off to them. They'll just take a profit and hope to get it to third and four, third and five. A lot of running on first down. That's kind of what I saw against the Cleveland Browns. There was three throws to James Washington. Two were great bucket throws down the field. The touchdown was a little bit underthrown, but James Washington made a great play as he was being interfered with. But if the pass was kind of led deeper into the end zone, it probably would have been intercepted or at least knocked away by the safety. And on the play before that, Hodges actually did take a chance over the middle, kind of had to throw it high on a deep dig to Tevin Jones, made a great catch as he was kind of jumping for the football. Beyond that, it was dump off. It was, um, you know, some moments of him showing that he's not very poised inside the pocket, having to throw the football away, running out of pre- or running out of the pocket as his, at his first sign of pressure, um, just kind of saying, hey, we're fine with punting. We're going to do that, and we're going to be okay with it. So Devlin Hodges is tied with Sam Darnold right now. Certainly not as much of a sample size from Devlin Hodges, but uh, 75 is his grade, solid C. After him, I'm just talk about him quickly, Josh Rosen. Um, he actually started with an 82.5, a B- minus in his first game of the year, but just did not have it in terms of reading defenses, Um moving inside the pocket away from pressure, getting to his second read. There was like tiny little flashes that we we saw like UCLA Josh Rosen this season, but I think certainly Brian Flores and his coaching staff made the right decision to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick if they want to build some momentum. And, you know, their coaches are always talking about building culture. I think the front office would rather have Josh Rosen out there this entire season to kind of see what they have with him and to probably lose more games. But I have to take my hats off to Brian Flores and that team as a whole for how hard they played every week um, and how well they played against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles in in that big win, almost scoring 40 points in that game at home. Um, And, yeah, by the way, Josh Rosen is at 72.5 on the year, C-minus. After him, Luke Falk, talk about him quickly. He really didn't show any signs of being a competent NFL starter when he played um, in place of Sam Darnold and of Trevor Simeon earlier in the season pretty weak arm uh there was maybe in a few games that he played two or three throws total that were pretty impressive where he got to a second read or he put good ball placement on the football down the field in general just crumbled under pressure would be was seemingly content to take sacks inside the pocket um and beyond that we really didn't see anything anything from him that 
show that he should be with the Jets or anything more than a number three quarterback in the NFL. He was a six-round pick, so that's that's not you know anything unexpected when you get picked that late at the quarterback spot. His grade, D+, plus, 66.6, and right behind him, oh wait, I skipped a guy actually. I need to go back. Dwayne Haskins did move up to a uh, C-70 minus grade, I thought, over the weekend in that game against the Carolina Panthers. I wrote that I didn't think it was a clear step forward for Dwayne Haskins, but it really um, was a game that I think he needs to have, especially down the stretch. That, yes, the Redskins and their fans want to see these bucket throws, these high-end passes down the field or at the intermediate level from him. He just needs to have games, especially based on how he started with how many interceptions he threw and how many bad sacks he took. Just games where he doesn't really make that big mistake. And he did not really do that against the Carolina Panthers over the weekend. And I thought that was really important for him. Um, I gave him a solid C grade. There was one throw that I specifically put in the best throws portion of my article under Dwayne Haskins. It was a dig route from left to right. I'm pretty sure it was a Terry McLaurin. It was a clean pocket, which has been pretty rare for the Washington Redskins this season. He looked to the middle, like almost like he was wondering, okay, where is this ball going to need to go? And then as that route was materializing, he looked left and like a three, two or three uh, second-level defenders all shifted that way. And then he came right back to the middle of the field and ripped a dig route for completion. So you see that his mental processing is pretty good. And I always thought that that was a good part of his game, that for being a first year starter at Ohio State or a one year starter at Ohio State, his ability to get through his reads, I thought was very impressive. It was his slow feet inside the pocket, um, just not a natural mover away from pressure. And as we've seen for most the most part this season, not a lot of downfield accuracy. He's gotten better in that area last couple weeks, which is a good sign for him. Um, but I thought against the uh, against the Carolina Panthers in a game that was really dominated by Washington's running game and, and, and kind of a pretty fun backfield with Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson, um, that Dwayne Haskins did not need to make a ton of ridiculous throws but he also needed to not make the big mistake, and we saw that against the Carolina Panthers. Not that there weren't any throws that were put into into precarious situations, but as we've seen from Haskins earlier in the year, there would be three, four, five, just what was he thinking throws or why didn't he get rid of the football earlier type of plays, and, and that was all kind of minimized in the Washington Redskins win in Carolina over the weekend. And my lowest-graded quarterback, um, already talked about Luke Falk. He's at a D-plus. My lowest graded is Ryan Finley, 66.25. Similar to Luke Falk, there was, in the few games he played, two to four, maybe five impressive throws, um, a few touchdowns. Some of them weren't pretty. They weren't the tightest spirals, but they got there. But not great under pressure whatsoever. Panicked, ran out of clean pockets, um, ran into pressure, a lot of inaccuracy too, which I, that was one area that I didn't think I would see from Ryan Finley based on how much experience and how much accuracy and anticipation he threw with um, at NC State. So Ryan Finley is my lowest graded quarterback of the 16. 
So just to go over them quick, Lamar Jackson, number one, Josh Allen, number two, not qualifying, but Drew Locke and not qualifying David Blau would be three and four. Qualifying quarterbacks playing more than one game, Gardner Minshew, number three, Kyler Murray, number four, Kyle Allen, number five, Baker Mayfield, number six, Mason Rudolph, number seven, Daniel Jones, number eight, Sam Darnold, number nine. Devlin Hodges, number 10, Josh Rosen, 12, Haskins, 13, Luke Falk, 14, and Ryan Finley, 16. So that's where I have these quarterbacks graded after watching all of their plays. We get Josh Allen against Lamar Jackson this weekend in Buffalo. Should be a great contest, Um, but that'll do it. This was one of my longer podcasts. Uh, Thank you for listening. I'm Chris Trapasso. This was the Prospect Podcast.